Amen. Happy 4th of July to each and every one of you. You know, uh, we, we are blessed. America is a blessed nation. We, I mean, just think about what has happened in the last, you know, 250 years that, that God took this fledgling nation and, and created the greatest nation on the face of the earth. I know a lot of people argue about all of that. Go ahead. I live in the greatest nation on the face of the earth. Doesn't mean there aren't other great nations, but I, you know, I, I feel blessed. I, I'm blessed to be an American. I'm not going to back away from that. Uh, America has truly been blessed. The United States of America has truly been blessed since the very beginnings, since the, the, the founding fathers signed the Declaration of Independence on July the 4th, 1776. And from that point, 11 years later, go on to sign the Constitution and, and to bring this nation to be what it is. This nation was founded on biblical godly principles by Bible-following, Bible-teaching, Bible-preaching men who loved the Lord their God and brought this nation, I believe, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to be a Christian nation, one nation under God. Amen. Amen. So, again, God has blessed America, but this is the place, and again, this is why there should be, this should be a humble statement, not a prideful one, because why has God blessed America? Why are we a blessed nation? Why has God done for us, for, for America, why has God done what he's done? I think that's important for us to know. Because, to be quite honest, I don't think many do. And I think the ideas that many have are totally wrong. And we have to look at that. And so that's what I want to take a look at today. But before I do that, I know our kids are in here with us. Amen. Aren't you love having... I, uh, I need some people, I need some help. I need some people that want to be on my team for a little bit here. Okay, I need some people that will volunteer, some people that want to help me out, want to be on. No, I want people that want to be on my team. All right, so you, if you want to be, raise your hand up. Who is it? Destiny, come on up. Okay, come on up. Jacob, come on up. Who else is up here? Come on, right over here. You guys can stand right over here. Huh? Okay, Samuel, you want to come help me? All right, let's go by size. Let's come on up there. Okay, right there. Stand up. These are these guys are on my team today. Okay, you guys, you guys are, are you guys are on Team Mark. Okay, so as a part of the team, you guys get to do what it is we need you to do. What I'm going to ask you to do, and again, you're going to do it because you're part of my team, right? All right. So let me ask you right now. Uh, let me ask you to jump, all of you. Wait, wait, wait. Let me ask you to jump at the same time. Okay, on one, two three, jump. All right. Okay. So, hey, let me ask you guys to come over here and uh, move on. Let's go to this side. Well, careful there, buddy. All right. Okay. Now I want you guys to look out there and I want you guys to just wave at everybody. All right. Wave with your other hand though. No, this time. Other hand. All right. Okay. Now this time I want you guys to jump and just me, I want you to spin around when you jump. Ready? Okay. One, you're on the edge. Be careful. I didn't think this through before I did it. Okay, one, 
two, three, go. That was like a gymnastics landing. That was awesome. Good job. Now, these guys have been really good teammates, right? Yeah. You guys have really been, uh, I appreciate you guys. But let me ask you this. Why did you do what I asked you to do? Because he told us. Huh? Because he told us. Because I told you? Because I asked you to do that? Well, but did you trust me when I asked you to do that? Did you yes. trust that this is what I wanted you to do? And did you do it because I asked you to? Okay, but when I called you guys out to be on my team, let me ask you this. Were you on my team or was I on your team? My team, yeah. Because now what would have happened if you wouldn't have come over here to this side when you were over there? If you said, I don't want to do that. I'm not doing that. Would you have been a very good teammate? No, you are a good teammate because you did what I asked you to do because I am the head of the team, right? And so you were on my team, right? All right, so give it up for my team, will you? Thank you, guys. You can sit down. So when I picked them for my team, I chose them to come to be on my team. So in that process, were they on my team or was I on their team? They were on my team, right? And I want to press into this for just a couple of minutes in Joshua. I was reading through, uh, looking at just, just in the book of Joshua, going through chapters 1 through 5. And, and going through that, it's an amazing story. It's an incredible story about how God was doing what God had promised would happen before Joshua even came into a place of leadership. Joshua was given the opportunity to lead Israel as God commanded into a promised land. Now the people of Israel, the people of Israel really weren't even a nation and they were, they were all in bondage in Egypt and they were in this place where they were slaves and they were bound up and God delivered them by the mighty, almighty God, hand of God. He delivered them from that place of slavery and he set them free. He took them out into the wilderness and he, he, he at a moment, he separated the Red Sea and gave them the opportunity to pass through. God did great things for those people. And they went out into the desert and they wandered in the desert. They wandered, honestly, what they were, they were a homeless nation. And they had no place to call home. And God was leading them. He had promised Moses, I'm going to lead you into the promised land. But what did the people do? They continually rebelled and continually looked back to what they had in Egypt. Sometimes it becomes so easy to look back to the slavery that we've known rather than to look forward to the unknown future that God has promised us. And they continue to look back. And when they look back, what happened? They went into rebellion. They began to create false gods, began to look to things that wouldn't be able to help them. Or, and honestly, they just rebelled against God. And therefore, God caused them to wander aimlessly in the desert. And in that time, God did provide for them. But even that, they got sick and tired of. They were sick and tired of manna. And so God took them through the desert until all of those, the leaders, the men, the warriors that had come out of Egypt, he, until they had all died off. And then Moses, the one that had been given the promise, Moses died. And God took Joshua and said, Joshua, you're the man. 
He chose Joshua. And he called Joshua to his team. And he said, Joshua, I want you to take these people, these people into the land of Israel. And if you'll look, he went through some different processes to get them there. Some things I won't talk about today, but there was some pretty painful situations they had to navigate through to get there. And so God, he, and then what he called him to do was to take these people in. So he took the people, and he, before he took them into the land to come against Jericho, he sent these two spies out to go see what was going on. They went to the prostitute Rahab's house, and, and she was took care of them. She uh, protected them because the king found out they were there and started to look for them. He wanted to kill them. And she hid them up on the roof. But what she did was she declared, I know the power of your God. And she knew the might of the God of these spies. And she said, I submit to that. I'll help you. But when you come, I know that you'll conquer this great city. So will you protect me? And the spies promised that and through that whole story. But the spies, she, what she, one of the things she said was to the spies is that we know of the greatness of your God. We know what your God did in the wilderness. We know what your God did with the Red Sea. We know what you guys did in destroying armies that you guys should not have been able to destroy. You guys had victory because you're, you have a God, not an idol. And so... The spies came back and told Joshua, man, we can take this. We can do it. These people are all afraid of us. They're afraid to step up. Let's go, Joshua. God is giving us this land. And so God gives instructions to Joshua, and Joshua takes the people down to the banks of the Jordan River. And the Bible says that the Jordan River was in its flood stage. It was in the, it was in the place where it was roaring and rushing like the greatest time of the year. In fact, here's a picture. This is an actual picture of the Jordan River. I don't know exactly where they crossed at, but the shallower a rushing river is, the harder the rapids are flowing. In the deeper places, it just gets deeper and deeper. And this became an impossible task. And so what did Joshua do? Joshua says to the priests, I want you guys to take the Ark of the Covenant and I want you to go to the edge of the water. And when I tell you, I want you to step in. And when they did, the waters just stopped up. I mean, it stopped. There was a wall of water that, that the water could not pass. And it dried out the land, and, or the, the riverbed, and the people of Israel, I don't know how many at that point, I, I mean, there was millions of them in the desert. I don't know how many crossed over that t at that point, but there was a lot of people that crossed over that river as the Ark of the Covenant sat in the middle of that river, and on dry land, the rest of Israel walked through into what God was calling the promised land. They came through the promised land, and, uh, and at a certain point as they were coming through, everybody came through, and the, the priests came back up out of the water, and the Ark of the Covenant was brought out of the water, and the waters began to flow again, and God had taken them through. And now they were ready to come against this city, Jericho. They were beginning to take the land that God was promising them. And before, as, as Joshua was setting out to come against them in war, he comes to this place where this, basically, it's a warrior that's standing there in the trail. And he comes to this warrior and he says to the warrior, he says, whose side are you on? Ours or theirs? And I want you to see what it is that happens here. Because these people, they came through. Listen, I want you to realize this. This was God's nation. These were, the Bible says, these were a chosen people. 
Joshua, Joshua was chosen to lead a people that were chosen by God, and they were chosen as they were do as to do what it is that God was asking them to do. As chosen people, that's what God wanted them to do. And so these chosen people come to this warrior, and this is what happens in Joshua chapter 5. He asks, whose side are you on? Have you ever asked God that question? No? Are you sure? I have. Come on, God. Whose side are you on? Come on, have you never been through something that tempted you to want to ask him that because it felt like he was against you or it felt like he certainly wasn't for you? And that's what Joshua was asking, this angel of the Lord. Whose side are you on? And listen to what it says here in verse 13. When Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with sword in hand. Joshua went up to him and demanded, are you friend or foe? Verse 14. Neither one, he replied. I am the commander of the Lord's army. At this Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. I am at your command, Joshua said. What do you want your servant to do? So this angel of the Lord says, he says, whose side are you on? And he says, he's not on, I'm not on Joshua's side, and I'm not on the enemy's side. I'm on God's side. Church, that meant if the people of Israel would remain on God's side, that they would find victory that they would find God going before them, that they would find that things would turn out all right. And they also found if they didn't follow God, and I want you to hear this, if they didn't follow God, it wouldn't matter if God had been for Israel in the past or not. I share that with you because today we celebrate the United States of America. We celebrate the birthday of our nation this great nation, the United States of America. We, listen, we were, church, we started off as one nation under God. Indivisible, with liberty. The freedom that was purchased for you and for me. And, and it was intended for all because we were founded on biblical principles. Our forefathers were Christian men and women. They were godly men and women that were fleeing from the oppression of Great Britain to come to a land where they wouldn't be forced into a state religion, but they could come and they could worship in the freedoms that God had given to them. They could worship the Lord their God in this place. And most of the men in that, uh, that signed the declaration were men of faith. They were men that were part of pa- uh, churches. There was pastors. There was clergy members. There was men of God that signed that declaration. But I want you to know, even though our nation has been founded on God, even though God has blessed America, that does not mean that God is on America's side. Hey, we, we cannot take that kind of prideful stance to think that because we're Americans, God is on our side. No, that's not the way it works. No nation, church, no nation can claim that God is on our side. As a nation, any nation, we need to be on God's side. We need to be 
where he's calling us to be. And, not, and that's true of nations, but it's also true of us as individuals. As you in your home, as you as an individual. Listen, just because you call yourself a Christian, just because you go to church, doesn't mean God's on your side. It doesn't. But there are promises for those who are on God's side. There are promises that he gives. That means if, God, if we're on God's side, that means God will fight for us. That means that God will provide for us. That means that, and the Bible tells us this, that he will then cause our ways to prosper. He blesses those who are on his side. Well, how do we get on his side? How do we stay on his side? What does even this all mean? And I want to share with you what God was speaking to my heart about earlier, and I know it's a familiar scripture, but how to be on God's side. And this is what I want to share with you. In Joshua chapter 1, I want to read a couple of verses and uh, make a couple comments about this, and we'll have some time of prayer. This is what it says. You want to be on God's side? This is what it says. Be strong and very courageous. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey some of the instructions. No? Come on, be careful to obey all. Come on, say it, all. all. God says we obey all the instructions that Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them. That means don't turn away, either to the right or to the left. Stay the course. Stay the path. Do what I'm calling you to do. Be strong. Be courageous. Don't turn away one way or the other. Why? Then... Then, you do these things here, then, he says, you will be successful in everything you do. Verse 8, study. There's a bad word, huh? <laughs> study this book of instruction continually. Continually. What does continually mean? It means continually. <laughs> okay, me, uh, meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything. Come on, say it, everything. everything. You will obey everything that is written in it. Why is that so important? Because of this statement here. Only then... Church, only then will you prosper in this and succeed in all you do. And he stamps it by saying this. This is my command. This is it. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So here he gives us the keys to how do we remain, how do we stay on his side. And this is what he says. First thing he tells us to do is be strong and very courageous. Be strong and brave. Listen, that's, it's going to be required for you to do that. It's for you to do the right thing. It's going to take courage and it's going to take bravery. It's going to take courage. Because how many of you have found it is hard to do the right thing? Come on, it's harder than that. 
Hey, you know what? And you can't plead ignorance there. Well, it's not that hard for me. I just don't know what the right thing is. No, it's hard to do the right thing because there's people in this world that don't believe like that. There's people that don't understand. If you're going to school, if you're in school, you kid, man, you're going to find that other kids, they're going to make fun of you. You're at work, you're going to find that people will tease you. People will say things to you. People will mock you. That's why the Bible says, blessed are those who are mocked for my sake, for my name's sake. You know, in school, kids will bully you. Do you know what bullies do to you when they grow up? They ignore you. You'll find that that's what happens in school. When you grow up, people will ignore you. You'll go to Walmart and they'll turn the other way. You'll find family members will do the same thing. People will try to intimidate you. To try to make you believe what they want you to believe or at least stop believing what you believe. And, and it's all around us. You'll find it'll happen. Your, the teachers at school will do that. The teachers or the professors that you have in, in, in universities will do that. The celebrities today will do that. Politicians will do YouTubers are really good at it. Newscasters, friends, even family members will tell you that what is right is wrong and what is wrong is right. And our nation is filled with that. Therefore, God in his all-knowing sovereignty knew where we would be standing. And you know what he said? He didn't say, oh, you poor thing, I understand. Be strong and courageous. The other side of that, stop being wimps, stop being pushed around, stop lallygagging, stop it. It's time to stand up. It's time to be strong. It's time to be courageous. It's time to do the right thing. And everything around you is going to want to tell you the other. And let me also say this. When you, to be strong and courageous doesn't mean you wait until there's an absence of fear. Okay? Strong, strength, the, the being strong and courageous doesn't mean the absence of fear. It means you do what's right in the face of fear. Otherwise, it wouldn't take strength and courage. We do it in the face of fear. To be strong and courageous, it doesn't mean it goes away. It means you're going to do the right thing even in the face of it. Because church fear is the parent of all sin. It is the parent of all out, uh, shortcomings. It is, it, it, even in the very beginning in the garden, Eve was afraid. She was afraid she was going to miss something. Fear is the parent of all of our sins. The fear of missing something, the, the fear of conflict, the fear of loneliness, the fear of shame, the fear of failure, the fear of being found out. Church, fear will lead you. And it will always lead you on a path that will stop you from acting courageously. Amen. It will always do that. Fear will cause you not to act courageously. Therefore, we must be strong. And that word in the Hebrew, strong, means grow stronger each and every day. That's what it means. We grow stronger each and every day. Look, are we growing stronger in our faith? Or are we falling away from it. This last week, 
my, uh, my little Lukey, turned six years old. Yep. He had a sixth birthday. And uh, because Luke likes to, uh, he likes to do stuff. So for his birthday, we did something with him. We took him to Lagoon, him and Sam. And we went there uh, this last t- Tuesday and uh, we spent the day there. Praise God. <laughs> um, but we, we started off on some little rides and, and they got used to it. You know how that is when you, uh, the, you know, the little ones, okay, they're kind of uh, like deer in the headlight and the more they get on some of these little things, the little the rides and okay, I feel better, I feel better. Well, they were gaining courage as we went through the day. Well, we came across to, down this aisle way and there was this airplane ride and Luke said, I want to go on that, I want to go on that. And so I thought, well, I'll take you. And Sam didn't want to go. And so Sam and Oni went off somewhere and, and uh, me and Luke got in line. Well, you couldn't really see the ride from where the line was. And so we were, you know, coming along and, and the ride was going and they let all the new people in. And Luke and I were the last ones. We couldn't get in. So we were standing here at the gate and it was, uh, um, I, I, didn't, I didn't know what the ride was, but it was one of those ones where you had to be 48 inches to, to ride the ride. So I had to pull Luke's hat up a little bit. <laughs> and, and so we're standing there at the, ga- at the gate watching the ride. And I'm watching Luke. And so the ride starts and, and it goes around. Well, we, neither of us knew this, that the little ride was one of those ones with the full, you know, full all the, you know, protective cage because it goes upside down. Well, I'm watching Luke and Luke's standing there and he's watching the ride and and he's watching the ride, and I can see his eyes going. <laughs> I know, he was like, and so I was just sitting back. I wasn't going to say anything to him. I was just going to let him make his decision. If he got, you know, if he didn't want to do it, I wasn't going to make him do it. But I, I was just standing there watching, and I could see him in his eyes, and his little mind is just thinking. But he'd been gaining through the day by going on these different rides. He'd been growing in his bravery. And so he's standing there, and he, and he looks up at me, and he says, Papa, I'm just going to do it afraid. <laughs> and, and, cause he, said, he said, Papa, I'm just going to do it afraid. Because that's what records do. Records do it afraid, Papa. <laughs> and he did it. Church, if you want to be do what's right on God's side, you've got to learn to do it afraid. You know what? Pastor, I do it afraid because that's what Christians do. And we've got to learn that. To do it, just do it afraid. To be strong, be brave, be courageous, and do the right thing anyway. Amen. We also need to then, the second thing that Joshua, said, or Joshua here tells us is you've got to learn God's word. Church, you've got to know what God says. Listen, there, me included, there is nobody in this world that has words that are as important to you as God should be. You need to know God's word. You need to know what God has to say. You need to know because his word, the Bible, Jesus, they are the truth, and only the truth can set you free. Sometimes we're running in circles inside of our own prison cell, wondering what I can do to get out. When Jesus says, uh, we get into the word, it's the key to open the doors. It's freedom that I've set you free for. But we need to know that, which again, Joshua says this. He says, meditate on it. I mean, speak it out, talking about it. And he says, do it day and night. 
That the word of God should be on our hearts. It should be from our mouths each and every day and every moment of that day. It should be the word of God that we're meditating on, spending time talking about, speaking it out, talking it through, thinking about it, pondering it, talking it over with your friends, talking about it with your family, talking about it at work, learning it. Church, you've got to know what God says about the situations that you're going through. Oftentimes, we don't want to know what God says about the situations we're going through because we know that what God's going to say, we don't like. So we, we don't know. I mean, again, in the situations that you're going through, in the decisions that you make, in the questions that you have, in the circumstances of your life, are you doing what you want or are you doing what God wants? Come on, only one of them can lead to freedom. You choose which one you think it is. But I tell you what, you're not going to change God's mind on it. We need to know what God has to say. Because we need to stay on his side. God calls us. You look, we watched these little kids that were up here, young men and women that were up here. The way they stayed on my side was by doing what I asked them to do. And they did it because they trusted me. Even though it seemed silly at the moment. You don't think that Joshua was asked to do some things that seemed silly? Okay, Joshua, the river is raging. I want you to take the Ark of the Covenant and I want you to take the priests that are carrying the Ark, the most precious thing we have, and I want you to go, walk, I want you to go jump in the river. How silly did it seem for him to, as, I mean, this warrior nation that was strong and mighty, I want you to go play music and walk around the city of Jericho. Where was the victory found? The victory was found in those priests putting their feet in the water. The victory is found in the musicians going out before the warriors to praise God, to worship him as they walked around the city. Church, are we doing what God tells us, what God asks us? Are we doing what God's word declares that we should do? Because it's first you gotta know it and then obey him. Church, we have to obey God. But isn't it so much easier to do what we want than to do what God wants? Because then you have to, listen, you have to submit to him as the head. These young people, they, if they were going to be on my team, they had to do what I asked them to do. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been able to stay on my team. We just want to do what we want. We would like, we much prefer sacrifice. See, I'd, I'd much rather sacrifice. You know, Pastor, I'd really rather take some sacrifice and set it on the altar and just call it good. You know what I'd rather do, Pastor? I'd rather just put some money into the offering and then call it good. I, I, I'd rather just go to church, put in my time and leave and call it good. We would much rather sacrifice. Well, you know what the Bible tells us? The Bible says that obedience is better than sacrifice. 
A young lady came up after service and she said, I've always struggled with that and I felt like God just spoke this to my heart and it was so good. She said, I just, as I was looking at that as you were talking, God just spoke to my heart why that's true because uh, sacrifice is measured by our measurement. Obedience is measured by God's. Profound. Jesus said this, if you love me, obey me. If you love me, obey me. This is what God has called us to. You want to be on God's side? You must obey. We need to obey him. Listen, we spend most of, uh, many people spend a lot of their Christian life not obeying God, but trying to get God to obey them. Not on God's side, we don't. In the Bible, in, in, Mark, in uh, uh, Matthew chapter 7, very clearly says that there are a lot of people who think that God's on their side, but he says, but they never got onto my side. Therefore, away from me, you evildoers. I don't even know what you're doing. Why? Because you refuse to follow me. So God has given us this choice. And he's called us to obey. And the last thing is, is this. To remember, as Joshua did, that God is with you. That God is with you. You know the reason that Joshua had this great confidence, the courage that he had, is because of this. It's because he knew he was chosen. Why did these young people have the courage to get up and to come up here and stand in front of all of you? They had the courage to do that because they were chosen. Others didn't get up and jump up here. Why? Because in that moment, they weren't chosen. They were, they were afraid. They were afraid that I wouldn't want them up here. But those that were chosen, they came up because they knew I had chosen them to come. I had chosen them, and I was standing here with them. Do you know that God is with you, that God has chosen you, that God has set you apart? Joshua, he knew that God had called him by name. And therefore, he was confident in the presence of God in his life because he was on God's team. Listen, do you know that right now, come on, young people, all the way, if, uh, each and every one of you, do you know that God is calling you by name? Worship team, come on back up, please. Do you know that God is calling you by name? Church, if you have never accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord and the Savior of your life, if you've never committed yourself to say, Lord, I want to be a follower of Jesus. If you've never come to the place where you've just declared, Lord, I'm a sinner. And I need forgiveness. I need cleansing in my heart. I need to be set free. Lord God, I, I can't help what I'm doing. And I'm overwhelmed. And the guilt and the condemnation is too much. God, I need a Savior. I need to be forgiven. I need to be cleansed of this thing that I cannot be cleansed myself from. Lord, I need help doing what I can't do on my own. I've tried over and over and over again, and I screw it up time after time after time. I can't do it. I need your help, Lord. And I don't care how long you've been sitting in church. If you haven't come to that place of revelation that says, Lord, I need to just submit myself to you and I need to join your team. 
I need your family. Today's the day for you to do that. Because if you listen right now, you will hear him calling your name. He is speaking your name out and he's calling you, saying, come unto me. I know that you're heavy laden. I know you're burdened. I know that your heart has been hurt. I know that you've been wounded. I know that there's a bunch of unforgiveness in you, but I I want you to come just as you are. Stop trying to fix yourself and come to the healer. Because he's calling you right now by name. The question is this, how will you respond to him? What will you do with the invitation of Jesus that says, come unto me? Will you bow your heads with me? Lord, in the name of Jesus, we come and thank you, God. We thank you, Lord, for the grace that we don't deserve. We thank you, Lord, that you have chosen us. You've called us by name. You, Lord God, are the one who gives us the ability to stand in the face of fear. God, I pray in Jesus' name for those who are apart from you, that, Lord, you would would let them hear your voice calling their name. That you would call them unto yourself, Lord, to give them what they don't deserve. Because... You did, Lord, what you didn't deserve, to pay a penalty that was ours to pay, yet we couldn't do it. So you came into this world to pay that penalty for us. Thank you, Jesus. Is that you today? Every head bowed and every eye closed. Let me just ask, is that you today? Have you truly and honestly in your heart responded to the call of God to says, come unto me? So Lord, I, oh, I need you. Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Come on, this is not about church attendance. It's not about what family you grew up in. This is about you and him. And if you need to make a stand today, a stand of courage, a stand of bravery, a stand of strength, I want you to raise up your hand right now, right where you are, and say, Pastor, pray for me. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, I'm going to wait a moment. I don't, I don't want to miss the opportunity for anybody. Come on, maybe those who have slipped away. You, maybe you've known of the grace of God and you've gone off in your own way and God's calling you back home. It says it's time to get up, to get out of the pig pen and come home, my son. Come home, my daughter. Come unto me today. Come on, just raise up your hand right where you are and say, Lord, I'm coming home. Lord, I'm coming home. Lord Jesus, you see these hands, you see these hearts, and I thank you, Lord, for the revival that you bring to us. And I pray, Lord, that we would find in us the courage and strength to stand, the courage and strength to say, yes, Lord, the courage and strength, Lord, not to let pride or arrogance or anything else stand in the way, but that, God, we would come unto you because, Lord, I for too long have tried to think that you were on my side. And today, Lord God, I want to declare I am on the side of God. I stand with you today, Lord God, and I pray that you would help me because I can't do it on my own. 
Holy Spirit, come and fill us fresh and new today. Come and overwhelm us with your presence. Pour your spirit out, Lord God, and bring revival fire unto our hearts. Bring the strength, Lord God, that the disciples experienced, Lord. Those who turned from God or turned from Jesus. And Lord, for those who then, like Peter, didn't even see fit to be crucified in the same manner. Lord, let your church arise in the boldness that can only come from you. As we submit ourselves, Lord, and commit ourselves today to doing it afraid. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, for those of you that need some prayer today and would like some prayer, I want you to know the altar is open. We would love to pray with you. But let's just all stand together and let's just worship the Lord for a moment here. Let's give him thanks. And if you need some prayer today, please don't hesitate. Step out. Let us stand together. Let us believe together. Let us pray together.
children of God, give a shout of praise. Happy Independence Day. And I pray that you will enjoy the freedoms that we have as a nation. But please, let them, let them take second place to the freedoms that we have as children of the Most High God. Amen. God bless you. Listen, church is not over. Church is about to begin. Go be the church. Go let your light shine. God bless you. Happy 4th of July. Go be the church. Thank you.